Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Edward, how's it going, man? I'm good. It feels like a lot has uh, happened since we last talked. I mean, I can't be the only one who feels like that. I mean, just, I mean, not even just basketball, but I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff. But uh, the Bulls finally broke their uh, losing streak, six game losing streak, ended a, with a win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not sure what that win means, but we'll get into it. But yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? Good. I'm good. Yeah, like I said, you know, a lot's been going on. I know your move, uh, you moved. So did that, yeah, that went pretty well, you said, right? The move is going really well. Uh, like I was telling you guys before we started recording, like I have stuff everywhere. My recording setup is not uh, what it typically is right now. So a little unorthodox, but uh, getting there, it's a little late recording. Uh, I just got stuff everywhere. So eventually I'll find all my stuff and I'll be fine. But yeah, everything's going really well. And uh it's a lot more peace and quiet, that's for sure. I mean, so that's that's one. yeah, yeah. I know you were com- sometimes complaining about like the noise outside your apartment and things like that. <laughs> you can hear like dogs and stuff just like barking randomly and like people just like crashing stuff above me. You, you hear that just a bunch of times randomly, but yeah, won't won't hear any of that stuff right now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so you know we have a few things that we need to talk about. Obviously, like you said, the Bulls broke their losing streak. Um, I know there's a lot of up and down on opinions on the trade that the Bulls did, obviously, a few weeks back. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. And then um, I also wanted to kind of bring up maybe talking about the Bulls' leadership as far as, like, on-court leadership. Um, wanted to get into that. But let, let's bring our guests in. We had uh, these two uh, great dudes on, like, I want to say a month ago. Uh, they're, they're a good buddy of mine. Uh, Chris and Lero, they have their own show as well with uh, the Barroom Network at Spools 101. Uh, Chris, Lero, thanks for so much for joining us. How are you guys doing? Man, uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, I'm just happy to be back. I mean, the first time I was pretty nervous, you know, didn't want to mess up, but I'm happy to get back here and start talking some Bulls ball with, uh, with my boys, man. I'm, uh, I'm just happy to be back here with you guys, man. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you guys invited us back in the first place. So we we're appreciative, though. <laughs> well, me personally, I was nervous because you know I don't like you know getting people on more talented than me. So like, oh. I, get, like <laughs> I get hey now, <laughs> come on, like man. you know, because Ed Ed's like you know the cool guy, and you know he he rocks the show, and I get I get nervous. So I try to get people on that's not as good as me. But I was like, you know what, I I gotta get these guys on because you know they're knowledgeable. So. If they're better than me, they're better than me. You got to oh, bring them on. Hey, Salim. Salim, man, if you have gotten posture syndrome, you're in good company here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great stuff, man. Yeah, so yeah, let's, let's get into this. So the Bulls finally broke that, uh, got over the, uh, the six-game losing streak and finally got a, you know, a solid win. Not against a great team by any means, but you know, I, I always like to joke when other te- other other people say, "Oh, well, it's just the Cavs." We're like, you know what? We're we're just the Bulls. It's like we can't really uh, act like 
we're some kind of juggernaut that, you know, can kind of shrug over a win. Um, I know want to start with you first, Larry. I know you were breaking down film today and last night. What did you kind of see in this win uh, when you were looking at tape compared to like the last six games that they were struggling to, you know, close out games? Um, there's, a, there's just a couple things. I mean, in terms of, I think the first thing I want to wanted to talk about was Kobe. Um, I think there's a lot of mixed reviews on Kobe. Um, obviously he does some things that make you scratch your head, um, but he's young. But I think a lot of what I noticed about him, he was very aggressive um, in terms of getting downhill, um, kind of attacking the basket. And one of the things that Chris had brought up on one of our shows as well, he's 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 uh, one of the most blocked players at the rim, you know. And I think something that I saw him adjust to was he wasn't going in to score. He was kind of going in to kind of set guys up and create um, some some. Uh, some movement from the defense to make the, the the reads easier. So we've we saw some things where Kobe was coming off a dribble handoff, or, uh, you know, getting downhill and finding Pat or Garrett Temple just you know um, on the on the wing or the top of the key, and we're able to to, to attack some closeouts just because of his drives. Um, some some of the other things too, um, and I, we need that because without Zach, there isn't another guy um, besides Kobe because um, he showed that he could do it. Um, in terms of applying pressure to the rim. Um, and, and Kobe has to do that. If, if, if they want to win ball games, he has to not settle for threes and, and actually get downhill and generate some, some open looks. Um, and also attacking mismatches. Um, they've been doing it, uh, doing it better. Uh, I, think they could, I think they could still get better at it, but I do think they're actually starting to look for it now. Um, so that, those were a couple of things I saw on tape. Excellent. Chris, how about yourself? How about you? What did you see? Some things that might have stuck out to you and this win compared to the, the losses that were uh, losing streak that was going on? Well, I think having Sato back off the bench with Thad definitely helped stabilize that bench, you know, as we saw earlier in the year. And I agree with Laro. I mean, Kobe, he's, he's had an inconsistent season. And I think that's to be expected from someone who's in the second season and uh, who, you know, in all honesty, had a lot of responsibility thrown his way this year. Um, we've seen we've seen that inconsistency. We've seen kind of that crisis of confidence from Lowry, Wendell, and Kobe this year. It's been you know disappointing at times, but Kobe definitely has come back in a big way. The last couple of games with a little bit more added to his plate. He's taken advantage of Zach being out. As Lara said, getting to the rim has been more important for him because he has struggled to finish. He gets blocked a lot. But he is so fast in getting to the rim that it can open up a lot of things for the team. He gets the defense moving, and he's been able to capitalize on that with some good passes. I think he had nine assists um, against the Cavs. Um, and the Bulls team in general does not draw fouls at all. I think they're one of the worst in the league at drawing fouls in general. And Zach was Zach and Wendell were probably the two best on the team, and now both of them are not the court. Obviously, Wendell is with the Orlando Magic and Zach out with the protocols. So it's good to see Kobe step up in that role. And also, I think you saw some, some good things from Lowry Markinen. He's shooting with more confidence. He's taking advantage of more mismatches, which is what we've wanted for a long time. So encouraging signs, as you said, Salim. I mean, it's, it is against the Cavs, but that mentality of the Bulls thinking they're, that they can just waltz into these, you know, quote-unquote lesser matchups has not served them well over this losing streak. 
So I don't think they can afford to do that the rest of the season at all. So it's nice to see them bounce back on this win. It's almost like a damn if you do, damn if you don't thing, because theoretically a win against the Cavs isn't really like a headline, but a loss against the Cavs is a headline. Not that the Bulls are like such a good team, like you said, that they can just afford to look down on opponents and just act like they're almighty. But like, I guess for me, when I saw that the Bulls had uh, won this game, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, they, they did what they should. And they should have beaten teams like Minnesota before this, and they should have beaten teams like Orlando before this as well. But one thing I wanted to ask you guys is about Patrick Williams. When we talked to Rob Schaefer a few weeks back, he was talking about Patrick Williams and the scoring opportunities that he was starting to get in this new offense, uh, playing in a starting lineup with Nikola Vucevic. And in the, uh, I, I said six game losing streak earlier, but it's a five game losing streak. Uh, in those five games, Patrick Williams had 21 points total. And then in this one, he has 12 points. So he, he's had some really like up and down scoring stretches. And granted, he is a rookie, 19 years old, and he's not a refined offensive player yet. But, and, and I want to start with you, uh, Chris. What do you think about Patrick Williams and just like his, his general like role in this offense? Like, do you think with Zach out that he should be he should have more games like he did against Cleveland where he's uh, where he's getting into double figures or he's going to take advantage of more opportunities? Or do you think that we're still going to get more up and down scoring outputs as the season goes on? Well, when Zach went out, I called for it on Twitter. I said, hey, we should force Pat to be more involved in the offense, have him bring the ball up have him as a ball handler and pick and roll because he, he he's shown some skills this year. Now he's, he's been inconsistent as every rookie is, as you mentioned, Ed, I mean, there's, there's going to be some up and down uh, play with him, but actually you mentioned Rob Schaefer. He, he uh, tweeted out a stat. I think it was yesterday. The bulls are 15 and 12 when Pat scores more than 10 points, they're six and 21 when he doesn't. So I think Pat's development is extremely important to this team especially with Zach out now. I think that he's had a lot placed on his shoulders as well. This whole team has, especially these young guys, but he's more than capable of scoring 10 points in a game. As long as he's aggressive, he acknowledged that in a post game. I think it was last night that, that he knows that he needs to work on that aggressiveness, but he also understands that he can affect the game in a lot of ways other than scoring, which is exactly what you want to hear, I think, from, from him. And he has. He's done a lot of those things. He's rebounded. He's defended the toughest guy on the court. He's getting blocks, steals. Uh, he's making nice passes, helped good help defense. So I think we're seeing it, but the scoring output does need to get more consistent, obviously, this year. And then as he goes forward, when he's 20, 21, 22, he's going to be a key piece going forward on this team. It can't just be Zach and Vooch. Pat will and his development are extremely important to the franchise going forward. Um, for, for me, um, I go back to, uh, I mean, anybody that knows me uh, knows I'm a huge Derrick Rose fan and what I'm not going to, I'm not comparing their game, but when I, I remember listening to an interview from John Calipari and he was saying that when they first got Derrick there, um, they, he wasn't looking to score. He never was looking to score. He was always looking to make the right play. He was always making a make, make the extra pass. And he would say there was times in games and in practices where he had to literally yell 
for him. Like, we want you to score. We need you to score. And I think Pat said something uh, after the game. He said he's never been a prolific scorer. You know, he's always been somebody that's, that's relied on his defense. That's rel- that's that's um, been a, a rebounder. Someone that's, you know, passing. And I think it's going to take some time for him to um, to get that gene in him, somehow get that uh, that scoring mentality. I think that's what he has to get because I think it will come. I think once he has an offseason um, and tape to see like, oh, man, I could have attacked here or look, uh, look how they were playing me here. I could have did this. I could have did that. Um, I, I think that's sometimes where with guys like Pat that um, are so raw on the other side, like coming from college when it's so condensed in terms of the defenses, when you see in zones, you don't see a lot of, you know, big time kind of one-on-one defenders or anything like that. So when you get to the next level, you have so much space. And now it's like, you know, he has to get used to that space as, as weird as that sounds, but like now he, he has to get used to saying, Oh man, I do have guards. I do have guard. I can't handle the ball. I can't get to the rim and, and finish. I can pull up here. I can, you know, at, he was at one point shooting 40% from three. So it's like, he has those, those skills. He's, you know, and then you see the passing chops. There's flashes during games where he'll be driving and all of a sudden he'll pop a pass with his left hand to the other side of the floor, like a, like a fastball. And it's like, oh my goodness, this kid is only 19. And I, I told Chris this other day, I got to stop saying he's only 19. I got, I have to do it. I have to stop that. That's the Jason Tatum meme. Yeah, that's what Chris That's exactly what I said. I said, Jason, Jason Tatum meme 2.0. We got you in our Bulls 101 intro. We got you saying that he's only 19. Last little line. I was laughing at Lara about that. I, I think it'll come though, man. It, I think we just have to be patient with him, man. He's he's night like he's, ah, here we go. He's nineteen, you know, and and it's gonna it's gonna take some time, man. It's, he has to understand that like how good he is. I think that's a, sometimes like players when they have the size and they 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 don't don't really understand how really how good they can be and how good they are. You know what I mean? And I think he has to. He's there's something's going to click. It's going to click where he's like, oh, man, I can do this. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just going to take some time. But I, I, I am um, pretty happy with how he's responded from that from that stretch. You know, some guys would have continued to dwindle down and, and fall down that that road of having some bad stretches of games. And he he had a pretty good game yesterday. So it was fun to watch. Well, I, I think you. The, the 19th, and yeah, it's, it's kind of the meme, but at the same time, we have to remember that he is also one of, one of the more raw players coming into the league. Um, he was actually 18 when he was drafted. Obviously, the, he was like, the I think, the youngest player in the draft or second youngest or something like that. I can't remember the exact uh, the difference, but... Yeah, yeah, Pokashevsky. He Pokashevsky is the international. He's younger, but he but Pat's the youngest American born in the draft. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So like, yeah, he and, and knowing, like I said, him coming into this league, uh, he was more raw offensively than uh, his counterparts that were taken in like the top three, if you will, guys like you know Anthony Edwards and uh, Lamelo Ball. He didn't like Pat doesn't have as advanced ball skills. I think you're seeing a little bit more than we anticipated, but it's still in traffic. 
he doesn't have that skill yet to be able to uh, keep his dribble. You see him sometimes stumbling or getting his the ball stripped from him. Um, also, his shooting, like the mid-range pull-up is there as far as being uh, you know, not robotic, but uh, we've talked about this on here for so many times that his three-point shot is more of a set shot right now. He doesn't really have like a, a pull-up three yet, if you will. So that, that'll come. It'll come in time as he works more. Um, I still do think right now that he's a power forward, so we'll see how how he develops going forward uh, into this offseason, into next season as well, having that you know full offseason, a summer league, uh, training camp, and all of that stuff, that, that could definitely be beneficial to him. Uh, kind of sticking to this lineup uh, conversation, wanted to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on Daniel uh, Thies being inserted into the starting lineup with uh, with Vooch, um, I was looking at like the the PB. Uh, what do you call it? PB. Uh, the play by play stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The play by play stats, yeah. and and their on and off is terrible. Like the, when they play together, they're like a negative twenty two net rating in one hundred and fifteen minutes. And but Billy Donovan said like he kind of wants to see. He's not. He's open to. Uh, you know, riding out this latest lineup change. Uh, how, how have you seen their fit together? Because I, I do find it weird that they don't fit better because Thies is a good defender and he can also stretch out. So he's not like he's one of these guys that gets in and looches away when he's posting up. So just to, just to see, uh, we'll start with you, Chris. What have you seen, I guess, in their, in their you know, as far as them playing together and, something that you've liked or maybe you're concerned with? Well, I think first of all, that the move to put him in the starting lineup, I think has a lot to do with sad as well, because one of the things that Billy said is he wanted to maximize Thad's playmaking, which has been fantastic this year. And with Vooch in the starting lineup, you were seeing less of that. And so you were seeing Thad spend a lot of time in the dunker spot or kind of parked out in the three point line. And neither of those are really his strengths. Whereas Tice can do both of those things very well. He's a great rim roller. He's just as good, I think, defensively, and he's more of a rim protector than that has been. And he can play really well in that dunker spot. As you said, Celine, he can pull out to that three in the corner on, on the break. So I think it's a, it's a good move for Tice to be there. And we, Lara and I were running through some horns plays uh, last night where Tice and Vooch will come up and set a screen on either side of the ball handler's defender and then Tice can roll or Vooch can pop or vice versa. And it's, you know, we've seen some success with that. So, I mean, I'm willing to try it out just because you need defense in that starting unit. And I think Tice fits a little bit better alongside Vooch at this point with Zach out um, and provides a little bit more spacing and is a little bit better at the rim than, than that is. And the bench needs it. The bench needs that. Uh, he needs, they need his playmaking. I think it helps unlock Lowry a little bit better to have that next to him than, than Tice next to him. So I think it's a good move with, I mean, it's not ideal, right? Ideally we'd want Pat at the four going forward, but we're not in an ideal season right now. We're not in an ideal rotation. So Billy's making the best of what he's got. And I think, I think this is probably the best decision uh, rotation wise that he can make uh, with Zach out. Um, so I, I total agreeance. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch more of the minutes with them together because I mean, I, I just like what I've seen, 
So I, I, I just have to go back and kind of like hammer through and see, see what could be the problem with that lineup that they have a negative 22 plus minus. But um, for me, I mean, I, 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 I go back to, again, um, I know people love that and, and I do too, uh, nothing against that, but Billy came into the season saying that he would love to keep Thad's minutes down. He would like to, to keep him, you know, from high, high, um, high amount of minutes at the end of game. So I think that this is the right, the right move. I think um, when you, when you have Vooch on the starting lineup, who does, he's a pretty good facilitator himself. Um, he can, you know, he, he basically can do what that Thad can be as more offensive game in terms of shooting and, you know, things like that. So, um, but I don't think it's any surprise that, in, uh, you know, on, on, on that, in that group with him, um, because now you have somebody that can stabilize that group and get them in the right sets and uh, make the right reads. Um, it, it, Lowry needs that. I mean, I think we've, we've seen that over his career. He needs a, a guy or a point guard or just someone that can be a leader on, on the offensive side to get guys in sets and get things going. Um, and he, he, and Chris has said this, he's a play finisher, you know, um, and he, that's what he does. You know, you find him at the corner for a three, boom. Most of the time, hopefully he'll knock it down. Um, he's coming off a curl. He's a pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good driver actually for his size and a pretty good cutter. So um, I think it's just the right thing. I mean, Tice, um, I, what I've noticed as well defensively is I feel like they changed after the Atlanta game. They've been a little bit more aggressive in terms of that player um, coming off the screen, the ball handler off the screen and really been hammering home on the tag. Like you've seen us give up threes in a corner because they're so worried about the tat, the, 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 the roller that now guys are having to get back out and put a hand up. And we've been burnt on that um, a little bit, but um, I just think Tyson and Vooch at some point, I think it will even out. I, I just, again, I have to go look at the tape and hammer it out and see what may be wrong. Um, but I really like Tyson um, on the backside of, of, um, of Vooch. So. So. Let me get to the question then that they they beat the Cavaliers. There were some promising things in this game. But overall, since the Vucevic trade, since the uh, the uh, three-team trade with Boston, the Bulls are four and nine. So let me start with you, Chris. What do you you think is – are the general reasons that this team has struggled apart from we, we know these are new pieces and it takes new t- pieces time to gel, especially when you don't really have an off season and mid season trades can be notoriously difficult to really make significant changes and expect it to work out. So I, I guess from a basketball perspective, what have you seen that really represents the reasons why this team has struggled on the court since they have made these trades with these uh, new players? Well, I think what you said, Ed, does factor in pretty greatly, which is you're trying to integrate three rotation players, one of them an all-star, you know, one of them uh, uh, used to be a starting center with, uh, with the Celtics. And not only are you integrating those three pieces, and Troy Brown being the third, but the pieces you already have have to change their roles. Zach has to play differently. Lowry's had to play differently. Sad's have to had to play differently. Um, Kobe and Sato have had to play differently. The whole team has gone through this seismic change as far as 
their style of play is completely different because of Vooch's skills down on the left and right block as a three point shooter, as a pop, you know, as a pick and pop threat and as a facilitator, that's, it's kind of shuffled the deck for everybody else. And offensively, I think Billy's done a really nice job getting people into their sets. He's done a great job all year of this is adapting his offensive sets to meet his personnel's needs. And they've gotten a lot of open shots since the trade they are tied for first in assists per game. I think is 28 and a half per game, which is really, really good. I mean, it's not Jim Boylan, 35 assists per game. Good, but it's tied for first in the league the, yeah, where we've seen a big drop off. As I mentioned is free throws because Wendell drew, drew a lot of free throws actually. And Zach draws a, a decent amount of free throws with both of them out. And obviously Zach with the ankle before he was out, he wasn't getting to the rim as much. He, he didn't have that same pop, that same athleticism. So that definitely didn't help. And then you combine that with a pretty out of the gate against uh, some, some pretty quality teams. And then I think where you really see the biggest drop off and the biggest change and where I think the off season is going to help the most is on the defensive end, because the defense is everyone, everyone has to be on a string and, even though they're still playing drop coverage, there's a lot of new pieces integrate and trust is built over time. There's just no way to accelerate that. Now you can maybe be able to do it if you bring in one guy and he's got kind of a minor role on defense, but you brought in a center who's the anchor of your defense and a backup center who's the anchor of that defense. So it's a big change. And I know I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses. I mean, I still think they should have won some of these games as Billy has said, they haven't been, they haven't gotten into guys' jerseys as much. They haven't been aggressive. And I think we've seen an uptick in that in the last few games. Even the ones they've lost, they've played better defensively. But ultimately, you really need – I think that that was on Bulls Talk um, last week and said the same thing. You really need like a week of just practice. And if they can get guys in the gym, just run through and kind of build that chemistry, understand what everyone's roles are, that's really going to help build that up. You also need some off-season pieces. You just need better personnel on the floor defensively than you've got right now. You know, Garrett Temple's their best defender at 35 uh, on the perimeter. And Troy Brown Jr. is probably their next best perimeter defender. And he's 21 and just got, you know, <laughs> just showed up on the team. So there's a whole lot going on right now. And I think it's, uh, I think it explains most of what's, what's been happening on both ends of the floor. But there's no question that they should be a little bit better than they are now. They should have not dropped games to the Orlando Magic. They probably should have picked up one of those Grizzlies games. They shouldn't have lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So some of those things are, are still, you know, not explained by those things. But there is a lot going on right now on the team. Um, I think Chris nailed it on the head. Um, for me, um, I was just looking at some numbers the other day and with Zach, I believe we were a little bit above average for offensive rating. So offensive on the opposite side of the ball, I'm not really that worried uh, because they're going to get better um, with continuity um, and things like that. The defensive side of the ball is where is, is where I think everybody has to pay attention to, because I think if you go back to the Phoenix game, Right. The Phoenix game, everybody's, oh, man, Pat's getting roasted. Pat's getting killed. Why, why, why do they have him guarding? Devin Booker, why, you know, and it's like, you know, first of all, 
they're playing drop coverage. So it's kind of Pat's job to kind of persuade him to go over that screen and the big to basically say, hey, look, you better take that pull up because you're not getting to the basket. Um, now, you could get mad at Pat for not trying to get a rear view block, um, not trying to get back on the side of his hip. But that game in particular, they, he took the shots you want out of the drop and mid-range jump shots, teardrops. Those are what you want. Devin Booker just went crazy that game. He, he hit most of his, I think he only made two threes that game or something like that. And the rest of it was jump shot, jump shot, jump shot. And it, Billy's going to live with that because of the analytics and because of the drop, you know? Um, and I really think that in this league, there's not many guys that can just absolutely lock down a guy. This league is too good. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, if you go back to the Bucks, you know, in the playoffs, I believe, what was that, two years ago? When he was with the Raptors, I can't remember that year. Uh, but it everybody was like, oh, Kawhi locked Giannis, but it was like, wait, 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 hold on. Kawhi was ahead, but there, there, there was a team behind him that also helped corral Giannis, right? And we may have a guy in Pat, who knows, maybe he'll become a, a lockdown defender, but we also need the other guys around him to, to, be, to be where they need to be. We have, there's been plenty of times where, you know, guys are too hugged to their player on the weak side of the floor. And then we got an oop being thrown. And, and, it, it, and it's just a lot of stuff that just seems like they need practice. They need to practice against these looks. Like that's a huge thing, right? You, if you, if this is a regular season, right, you have a whole week worth of tape. What do we get killed on? Well, we getting killed on the roller. If we're, if we're playing drop, we're getting killed on the roller. Okay. Boom. This is what we're going to do. Hey, Pat, we looked at the, we looked at the tape from when we played the Bucks. You were hugging. Uh, I'll just throw his name out. Sam Merrill. He's never. He's a bump. But anyway, you were guarding Sam Merrill over in the corner. Why are we doing that? Boom. Now you have the dialogue going forward. You practice what you want. How you want to play? Do you want him to play kind of in the middle, playing two, or do you want him hugging as soon as he see, sees the roller? Do you want him hugging the roller and then reacting to the pass of the corner? There's just, see, you don't have that now, right? So you're just getting. You're continuing to get killed and killed and killed but there's no practice time. So you can't work on it. And they do have those tablets where I've seen them on the sideline where, you know, they'll pull a guy over and they can look at something real quick, but film can only go so far. You know, you have to practice against those things because once you get in the game, now you, you, you can't just worry on that one thing because they'll start killing you on other things. So it's, it's a lot of, to me, it's defense, right? We're, we're going to get Zach back. We're going to get some more pieces offensive on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not really worried, but the defensive side of the ball is where you need it. You need it. You need somebody with point of, you need a better point of attack defender. You need better wing defenders as well. Um, this league is too good to not have a, a, a good depth at the wing. So um, that, for me, it's defense. That's my, that's my whole deal. So I guess, yeah, this general sent- sentiment about this trade has been that, not the general, I should say, some sentiment amongst Bulls fans. This that that this trade was, you know, a, is a failure or it's not. It wasn't a good. They they rushed too soon into doing a trade like this. Um, and I think you guys brought up some good points. And as far as the need, the other needs that this team has, and I guess I, in my opinion, I feel like it's too early to, to make a decision on whether this trade was like a failure or if it was a success just yet, because like you said, we're going to, the next step is what makes this trade 
a success or a failure. It, it's how he continues to fill out this roster. And I, I think when I, one thing this season is just, it's a really weird season too. When you really consider it, you're seeing all these guys getting injured, um, trying to get guys like you've already, you've you both mentioned chemistry as far as trying to incorporate, you know, all these different pieces in, in, in the middle of a season where, you know, there's not a lot of practices happening uh, because of like pandemic reasons. And like you hear, you hear that quote from Fred uh, Van Vliet openly saying like, man, this is, this is not even like, he's kind of like not even like having fun in a sense. Like it's just kind of like, he's kind of become a uh, robotic in his, in his, you know, schedules, like, you know, go to the game, go back to the, the, the hotel, go to the game, you know, it's kind of like a, a schedule that is not really like normal feels normal for them. So I think that all that plays into it. Um, and yeah, to me, when, when you consider how this season is, what's going on with, around the league, I think it, it's too early to really make a decision at this point if we if if AK rushed into something uh, as far as any any trades that he should or should not have done. I'll say this: I think that when we're looking at this trade, and we. So so let's 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 backtrack to maybe like a year ago, right? When we were talking about free agency and what we expected to be a really deep free agent class, right? Like initially this free agent class was gonna have people like uh I think what what Donovan Mitchell was supposed to be a part of it, like uh who else was supposed to be a part of it? Like uh or not Mitchell, I, I forget, I forget the actual names, but it was supposed to be a loaded free agent class, right? And a lot of teams set themselves up financially with cap space. And feeling like they could get a significant difference maker in this group. And that turned out not to be the case because a lot of people uh, signed extensions or signed new deals. So now we enter this offseason with a weakened free agent class. There's still some guys that could help. Like we all think Lonzo Ball could be a, a part of a solution, and that's fine. I look at this Vucevic trade as the Bulls jump the line. And when you jump the line, you you have to pay a decent price. You you gave up a first, you gave up two first round picks. You gave up Wendell Carter Jr., who is still really young, and as we're seeing in Orlando, he might be in a better situation now in Orlando to succeed. He can still play well, so he's a decent asset. So they jumped the line to add a player in Vucevic, who they would not have been able to get otherwise in free agency, and that's a big thing. So. For me, I can't really look at this trade as, well, if the Bulls don't make the playoffs or make the play-in game, then this deal didn't really work out, right? Because what did you give up? You gave up, uh, you, you might give up like what, a, a, a eighth, ninth, tenth pick, maybe seven, maybe six, I don't know. But to me, those draft picks, even though they are assets, they are unlikely to be the game changer that you potentially need in terms of upside. So I look at it as you gave up some assets to get a really, really good player in his prime to, 
to team with another really, really good player in his prime. And now you can tool your roster around these guys. And that gives you a decent chance to be a pretty solid team in the Eastern Conference, especially if you can get some more practice time. So for me, the criticism of this trade that draft picks would have helped more, uh, helped turn this team around more, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I think the Bulls played a, played a reasonable price to get a really good player now. And they still have plenty of time in his prime to make this a really good basketball team. Yeah. So I agree with you on that. Um, and a lot of people like to say, you know, uh, Vooch uh, is 30 years old. Um, I mean, how much time do we have left? And to my thing is, is, uh, I think his game, the way his game is built is going to age like fine wine, you know, like he, he, he's, he doesn't, he's not a big explosive player. He, um, he used, he, he's a, he's a, he's just a guy that you're going to be able to use, um, you know what I mean? Uh, go for, for a while. He can pick and pop. He can, you can put him at the post. He's a pretty good, uh, he's a, he's a pretty good passer out of the post, pretty good passer from the high post. He, there's so many things you can do with him that doesn't involve his athletic ability that, that, would shave um, his value away. You know, like I think he's going to be valuable for a while. Um, and the thing is, man, there, there are some good pieces out there. And I, I do believe that um, with the new faces in the front office, um, with Zach being an all-star now and with Vooch being there and believe it or not, I believe there are some people that do like Pat. I do think there's some uh, Pat's been getting a lot of love um, from these guys. And so I do believe there will be some people that would want to come to Chicago and, and uh, you know, be, be a part of um, something like in terms of like what I'm, what I'm thinking of is like the Cubs, like where like people want to, there were players that wanted to come and, you know, break the curse. Cause you know, they wanted to be the ones that were, you know, the ones to help the Cubs get to that point again, you know, as I believe that we're at that point now where we got a new front offense, we uh, front office and we got better players. We got Zach, you know, Vooch. I believe there's going to be players that think the same way. Like, Hey, if I can come here, um, <clears throat> you know, if I can come here and be a part of Zach and Vooch, you know, like I, I'll be a saint. If we can do this, we can do that. And I, I just do think there will be, um, you know, people that want to come, you know, and, I, I like what DeMar is going to be out there too. Right. And I, I know DeMar is not my first option, but there's DeMar, there's Schroeder, uh, Ball, Conley. There's guys that can come right, right away and, and make an impact. So. Yeah. You guys make some good points. And I, I think that there's legitimate reasons to doubt. I mean, it's, there are risks to anything. There's risks to doing the trade. There's risks to not doing the trade. It is tough. It's always tough to give up first round picks, not necessarily just for the player that that person may become, but financially and team building in a team building sense, it's a cost controlled asset that you can have at least four years and maybe up to seven, eight, nine years, depending on, you know, what you do on the extension. So it, it is tough, but as Lara was saying, the perception of the Chicago bulls is changing in a positive direction and bringing in a guy like Vooch, as Ed said, now, this is something that you had to pay for, but you jumped the line. You don't have to overpay Vooch in, in uh, free agency like you're going to have to do with any other free agent. Now, everyone, because you got 30 teams all vying for the same guy. Whereas in a trade, we were talking to Cap last night, David Kaplan, and he said, 
a lot of teams didn't even know that Vooch was available. The Bulls just snatched him out of thin air. And we've noticed that with uh, with AK. He just he picks a target, he goes out, gets him. We never hear a word about it until it happens. So I think that the perception is as important a part of the trade as the actual assets brought in. Because if we can make this a destination like it, sh- like it really should be, and it's the Chicago Bulls, this should be a destination for free agents. It should be just like the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles, the Los Anyway, so I think that has a lot to do with the trade is bringing in those guys to, to kind of help reshape the value, um, the, the conversation around the Chicago Bulls. So, it, and as Salim said, it's too early to say yes or no, whether it was a mistake. But, you know, the early returns... I think there's a lot of positive things to take out of this. And we know that this roster is not a finished product yet. AK said after the trade, we're not done. We got more to do. So I think we should wait and see how it goes. And, and uh, you know, we may not know for a couple of years, but there's no reason, like we're not going to gain anything by worrying our heads about it all the time. I think you make a good point that there is just risk on either side, right? Like if, if the Bulls hadn't made this trade and two days later you read about, oh, they could have gotten Vooch for Carter and two first round picks. And then the team continues to lose and does nothing, like absolutely nothing. Like Bulls fans would sit here like pretty irate that they didn't get another quality star to add next to Zach Levine. So it, it th- there's risk on either side. But for me, I look at Karnishevis and I look at what he did in Denver and how Denver built that team where they exhausted every single market that was available for them to improve. So they exhausted uh, trade, free agency. They were really creative in the draft. They were really creative with uh, waivers. Uh, They brought in international talent. There's so many different ways to improve your team. And you look at what... John Paxson may have done towards the end of his run, and he wasn't really utilizing every market. He wasn't really utilizing uh, the trade market extensively. He wasn't, uh, he didn't really have that, like, that, I guess, ability to make those bold moves like we just saw with uh, Arturis Karnishevis. So I, I can't really sit here and say that, okay, we don't have these draft picks. But what's stopping Karnishevis from actually getting another first-round draft pick at some point? What's stopping him from being able to sell high on another player and get back into the draft? You look at what a team like Utah, who's been really good this year, and what they've done. The players that they got, they traded, they traded uh, Lyles right to get Donovan Mitchell in the draft to get that draft pick. They traded uh, up to get Rudy Gobert, I believe. So and and then you look at the deal that they made for Mike Conley. You look at the deals that they uh, you look at how they got uh, Joe Ingles off waivers. You look at the free agency moves that they got with uh, Bogdanovich, the trade that they made for Carson. They were just active in so many different ways. So right now we're just seeing one part of a picture. And while it may not be a that part may not be something that Bulls fans are overly enthusiastic about. There's still more of a come with what we're going to see and the vision that they are trying to build this team with isn't complete. The players that are still here are the players that survived, but they're not the players that they all want to be here. 
Definitely. I, I think one thing I've been thinking about though, as we're as he is, AK is building his team, is I wonder if how important it will be for him to find someone one that's one of like the top players, top three players that's more of a vocal leader, uh, someone that will get on guys. Uh, recently, we've heard about how there's te- the guys are saying, you know, we weren't ready to play. Um, I mean, that should never, I don't care what the talent, you know, differences on the court between two teams. It should never be like, you know, we came into the game not prepared to go. And the funny thing is the teams that they did supposedly struggle against as far as not being prepared to go were teams like like the Magic and uh, Minnesota, where the Bulls, I feel like at the at the very least, I, I would say maybe maybe many you know as far as talent with D'Lo and Cat, we might match up a little bit more talent wise, but we obviously have a little more veteran leadership. But seeing that, like in in general, seeing that that they're not ready to play, I feel like you need a guy. Not just like a Thad, because obviously Thad, while he is a you know elder statesman, he's still just I'm mean, not to downplay who he is as a player, but he's a role player. So he's not like one of those top three guys on the team, you know, like if you will, in the league that that's looked at as as you know th- this you know really good good player that can be a big part of a core, if you will. So I I wonder and, and what are your thoughts, uh, yours and. and Chris, yours and Larry's thought are on this because that's something I've been wondering about. So a guy that can be really a vocal guy and get on guys, light a fire under guys in the locker room and or in, even before games, we're like, you know, we got to make sure we're ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you need one of those guys in every locker room for sure. Jimmy Butler was definitely serving that role when he was here and you can see him doing it in Minnesota, in Philly, and now in Miami, he's calling people out. He's you know, he's making sure he's getting in people's jerseys about it. And you need that guy. I don't know if the Bulls have that guy. As you, you mentioned Thad is probably the most likely candidate for that. But he, um, you know, we need Zach. We need Vooch. We need Pat to become those guys. It's hard to tell. We're not in that locker room. And it's even it's even more kind of nebulous this year because the reporters aren't in the locker room. It's all on Zoom now. So we, we're not getting that sense of what's really going in the locker room like we would in other seasons. So I think we'll see how it goes, but I don't know. As you said, Salim, the coming in unprepared, especially against a team that you should beat, and if having that mentality of, oh, we're just going to walk in and, and roll over and you know roll out of bed and, and play basketball and win, can't do that in the NBA. I mean, these are the 450 best players in the world any of those guys can go off on any night and beat your team. So you got to come with that, that mental edge of preparedness. And you see, I know we, um, we talked a little bit about Tibbs before we started, but Tibbs has his guys doing that in, uh, in New York because Tibbs is that guy in the locker room. And he's got guys like Taj Gibson and Derek Rose who know his style and, and are extensions of his voice in the locker room. And I can't remember who said it, um, but the the team is the extent is an extension of the coach. And so, you know, you had Hoiberg and Jim Borland, you saw the extension of them on the floor and it wasn't always pretty. And you could tell that their faults as a coach, their incompetencies as a coach could sometimes spill out onto the court. Whereas if you get a really solid coach or if you have a star player that, that holds people accountable, that's going to 
that's going to spread to the other people of the team. So I think it's absolutely important. It's essential for the team. I'm not hundred percent sure if they've got one or not right now. And it's, it's a little hard to tell, but for sure it's something to, to monitor going forward. Um, I, I agree. I think some of the things that, um, that, you know, you got to think about is too, there, there, there are different type of leaders, you know, and like you said, there's the vocal leader that we need. And I think a lot of the guys that we have are more like the lead by example type guys. Um, and I, I mean, you could tell that that is, I mean, just from listening to, from the Bulls talk uh, podcast, that's like main deal, Zach. You know, like he, you know, me, you know, like he said that they don't even come out with the team that he's kind of in the bag, wait, you know, talking to Zach, what they, what he has to do. And I, and I, I agree. I think they do need to find someone, if it's not going to be the coach, you know, find someone um, that can fire these guys up. And I, I think that a lot of that has to do as well. Like, you know, when you have a guy like Zach, it's very easy for, if you're a role player to just kind of like sit and watch because he's that damn good. Like he, you know, Zach is just one of those guys in the league that you could just literally throw the ball to him and he can go get you a bucket, you know, so you can easily fall into like, Oh man, what's that going to do off that ball screen? You know, like, and you can, and I, I, you know, I forgot to bring this up too from the question you asked earlier is like a lot of things I'm seeing too, is a lot more ball movement, player movement, what they're doing now. Um, that ball is, is it's hopping. If no, if there's not anybody going downhill, um, the ball's moving from side to side, uh, double drags, you know, dribble handoffs, a bunch of stuff, you know, they're doing. Um, so I think without Zach, you're starting. I don't think you'll see that. I don't think you'll see uh, lulls here and there because the thing is, is they, they don't have the room to do it. Like it's e- it was easy to, to maybe for a role player to come out and be like, oh man, because they have Zach, you know? And now with the... <laughs> Now, without Zach, nobody, you, you know, now people, they have to generate uh, shots. You know, you can't just dump the ball down the Vooch all the time, right? You, you, you have to generate different types of looks. And I, I don't think they'll have time to have those lulls. Um, but again, I do, um, do, believe with, do believe they need a leader. And I, I'm just thinking, like, who, who's out on the, uh, who's going to be a free agent this year that you would consider like a vocal leader, you know what I mean? Or somebody that, you think it come in here and light a fire? I mean, like Kyle Lowry. Um, I don't know if Mike Conley would want to leave Utah. I mean, those guys. I mean, because I don't think I don't know if Lonzo Ball is that guy. Um, I would love if Zach could become that guy. Like I, 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 I mean, I, I'm someone that really likes the Jimmy Butler style as leadership. I, I like that. I like when a guy doesn't take crap. And we'll be like, you know, tell guys that you need to, you know, get your, um, you know, get your shit together. But even a guy like Noah, like Noah was that vocal because D Rose wasn't the vocal leader. He was the do by example and that's fine. But Noah was that guy. He played with this fire and he would, you know, get on, he would be open on the court, communicate as he was the anchor of that defense. So he would, you know, constantly be in guys ears you know, telling them to, you know, get it together. So, yeah, I mean, those are just some names I top in my head that, you know, I'm thinking about that maybe could really take this team at least to the next level as maybe becoming a playoff, a solid playoff team that could get to like the second round. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this uh, free agent list, and uh, it's definitely not the uh, free agent class of vocal leaders. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, if Chris Paul um, opts out, I mean, he's easily the best leader, I think, available. But uh, you mentioned Kyle Lowry, uh, Mike Conley, uh, Andre Iguodala. I think he's he's leader but yeah it's not it's not a not a great group of leaders but you made a good point uh when the bulls had joking noah or when the bulls had derrick rose joking noah like derrick rose was always looked at as the lead by example and almost like the figure because he was the best player on the team but joking noah was the locker room guy right like he was he was the heart he was the soul he was the engine of that team so um you know maybe it, it could play out a similar way if the Bulls can just find out like long-term can find the guy like that, who can be that to Zach Levine while still being like a top three or four player on the team. But I, I don't know where that's going to come from. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I think too. I mean, I think we were letting Billy off the hook a little bit here too, because yeah, we need a vocal leader, but again, like you don't, you don't, you know, you know, you watch, you know, Eric Spolstra with, without Jimmy, you know, tonight. He was, you watch him on the sideline. He, it's almost like he's playing defense. And some people are like, well, that's corny. You know, like what Jim Boylan was doing. Like he didn't have a track record behind him that, you know, it kind of just looked corny. But with, with, with Spolstra, you understand with his coaching, like he empowers his players. But it, he, you're sometimes, most of the time your coach needs to also be a leader, right? Cause like Chris said, your team has to mirror what you, uh, what, what the type of toughness you bring to the team, the, the philosophy. Um, and I think, I think Billy, he's kind of one of the guys that kind of just, you know, he says what he has to say and then he kind of sits back down. Um, because again, like he just, he's another coach that empowers his players with the, the type of offense that he likes to run. It's like more freedom, you know, my, a lot more free flowing stuff, you know what I mean? So I think Billy has to be that guy as well. If we don't have a vocal leader. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know, man, I think guys just have to come ready to play. I mean, it's the job, you know, it's their job to come ready to play. And I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, that that's, you know, that's what it is. You know, you got to come ready to play every single night. Um, yeah. You can have off nights, but it should be off because, you know, you're just, you're fatigued or, um, it shouldn't be that you're not trying, you know, or, or not, not, I shouldn't say not trying, but it shouldn't be that you're not giving your full effort that you could give. But, um, like I'm, I, I agree with you. I, I do think I, I have seen Zach in certain games and you'd be trying to be vocal and, and st- you know, saying certain things here and there, but I don't know. It's, it's almost like, uh, uh, Chris mentioned like players who are an extension of the coach, and it's like, has Billy Donovan ever had a player in the in his NBA career who's been an extension of him while he's coached them? And you, you could probably say that in college for sure, because I mean, you had Noah, you had Horford, he had uh, Corey Brewer, like he had three like really good players who went on to the NBA, and uh, especially Noah and Horford, who became like really good locker room leaders. So he had that at a collegiate level, but has he ever really had that in the NBA level where a player just bought in so hard to what he was saying, what he was doing, that they were like, that they were that vote, they were that like coach on the floor with him. 
Would Would you say Chris Paul? Maybe that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because I know I know Billy's mentioned that as Chris Paul being on the floor was like having another coach out there. Now I don't know if as Ed as you're saying that if he was so bought into Billy's system that he was an extension, but he definitely was yeah. organizing things out there in that way. Or if that's just like Chris Paul. Like I always look at that as like, that's just Chris Paul being Chris Paul, you know, like, I mean, granted, he, uh, like Larry was saying, some guys in the NBA, they show up, they know how to lead. It, it's just like clocking in and out. Like that's Chris Paul. He's a prime example of it. So uh, I, I'm sure he like carried out what Donovan was doing for sure. But uh like for me, I always look at that as like that's just CP being CP. Yeah, and but I think Chris Paul also is that vocal leader. Yeah, he is. He's that's who he is. He he's going to be, you know, telling guys when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I, I mean, I think we saw the the against the Bulls that game that when we were up eighteen points and they came back and won. Who was controlling that game in the fourth quarter? Chris Ball, that guy got the ball. He was set up teammates. He he controlled the offense. You know, he got to his spots how he wanted to get to his spots. Very patient. And, and the way we, we were defending him, like he, he, he figured out, you know, how we like to, you know, set up our defense and got to the exact spot that he knew he was going to have an open look because that's the spot we're going to give up the look at. Uh, w- with the way we were, you know, defending like that drop. So, I mean, like I said, he, he, he's like the mastermind out there when, when, you, so I think that he covers that basis as, I mean, yeah, definitely. If you can get Chris Paul, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> can we get Chris Paul like from 10? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, as we get, we're going to wrap up here, but I mean, do you, do you, Chris, uh, Larry, do you, any, do you guys have any final thoughts? And obviously please, uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you and obviously where they can find your show. Sure. Um, yeah, you can find us every Saturday night, 11 PM central live uh, at barroom network or it's at bears barroom on uh, Twitter. You can follow us at bulls one one podcast on Twitter. You can follow Laro or myself. Laro is at underscore Laro hoops and I am at KLA hoops. So you can follow any any four of us, I, I tweet mostly on my own account. I, I need to be better about tweeting on the, on the Bulls one one account, but that's the way it goes. But you guys are right. As far as a final thought, um, I don't know. We definitely need more pieces. We see that there's stuff lacking on the roster. They've been missing a point guard since Derrick Rose went down in 2011. Uh, and we really haven't had anything close to that. And we've had a bunch of drafts where we've missed on, on picks and there were point guards taken after or point guards taken right before, or, you know, creators. And so we've had that need for so long. I think Zach and Vooch have done a really, really great job minimizing that, uh, you know, that disability on the court really for us, but ultimately we need, we need someone who can organize the offense. We need better, defense all around, especially around Fooch and Zach. I know we want Pat to grow into one of those three, but we need two other guys out there with them that can really hold it down defensively because I think Zach and Vooch can fit into any system defensively if they're surrounded by, you know, smart, capable defenders. But right now that's just not the case. And, you know, this year has been really interesting for me 
as an evaluation year, there's been a lot of an evaluation and there's been a lot of conclusions that we've drawn from those. So I think we're going to see a lot more shifts in this roster. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, this is the most excited I've been this last year as a Bulls fan in a long time. And so I think we've, you know, we're, we're moving out of the pop, the mom and pop shop style leadership and organization in the Chicago Bulls. I think that's the thing to be most excited about. And Billy Donovan for his, for all his faults is a competent, good coach that I think can take this team a lot further than we've seen so far. So I'm excited. And, uh, you know, I know we're all kind of depressed this last two weeks or so, <laughs> but there's a lot to look forward to. So I think, I think Bulls fans need to be a little bit more patient and just kind of give it time. And uh, we'll see the fruits of, of these labors start to, start to bear soon. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so <clears throat> my bad, man. Uh, so uh, for me, Honestly, man, I know people are going to hear what I'm about to say right now and be like, what is he talking? I actually uh, like what I saw from Kobe last game. So I want to see if he can build off of this because this is actually this is actually a good I mean, it's I mean, we don't want Zach to have COVID, but this is actually a good uh, this is this is good for him in a way, because now he, he knows that he has to get it done every night. He has to be consistent. We need 20 plus points from every night. We need him to dish the ball a little bit. We need him to to apply pressure to the rim. Uh, we need him to get into sets faster. I mean, you you can see D- uh, Billy Donovan on the sideline, like waving his hand, like in circles, like "Let's go, let's go," because he wants to get into sets faster. Um, so I, I want to see Kobe build off of this. Um, I, I, I I did. I, I know he made some boneheaded plays in that game on that three on one break. He, there should have been a layup there um, to Tice. Um, but I mean, he did make some great passes that, that night too. Um, and I mean, oof. So, um, and then after that, Pat, I want to see how Pat does it. I want to see if he builds off of that. I want to see if he continues to, um, you know, uh, I want him to get, uh, to, I want to start to see some more aggression from him. Um, and just, man, honestly, we're not going <laughs> to, it's not going to be, one of those things where you're coming into the Bulls games and like, man, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we need to do this to get to the playoffs and things like that. Because I think we're at a point now, if Zach's not going to be back anytime soon, I don't, I just don't see us getting into a plan. Uh, I mean, that's just my, um, that's just how I feel about it. But um, I would like to see some growth from, from Kobe and, and Pat. Um, I would like to see the Tice in, I don't know if he's going to continue to go with it, but, um, I want to see some growth in that Vooch and, um, Tice lineup. Um, there's, there's some things to look forward to, but again, I, I, I did like what I saw from Kobe last game. So I want to see if he'll build off of it. Yeah. We'll see, uh, how all this transpires as this, as we, as we get a little more, uh, you know, chemistry going as even without Zach. Uh, see if Kobe can continue to play well, and yeah, that and Pat hopefully can continue to stay aggressive and and not just you know stand out at the three point line. Hopefully, we see a little more aggression from him. Uh, Ed, how about you? Any final thoughts? Uh, thanks to Larry and Chris for joining us. Always great. Ooh, excuse me. Always great talking to them. Uh, one thing I want to see is just how Lowry is going to close the season. I mean, we're starting to see some rumors of uh, San Antonio having interest in him as a free agent. So. I, I want to see how Lowry is going to finish this season. He's had a lot of downs lately, uh, had a decent game against uh, Cleveland, but I just want to see how he's going to respond. I want to see if he's going to 
just try and have more complete outings against teams. If he's playing for a contract, like I want to see a player that looks like he's playing for a contract, regardless of what team he's trying to get it from. So uh, that's something I've been, I want to keep my eye on, even though I know that it seems probable at this point that Lowry's going from Chicago. Yeah, I, I think it's probably, it's, that's probably is the case, but yeah, we'll see how, how everything works out. Uh, but yeah, that's a wrap for today's show. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net radio station. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms. And please subscribe and rate us a five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Chris and Lero for joining us. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in, as always, for Edward Schuler and myself. Till next time, Bulls fans. <laughs>